We're reading this morning from 1 Peter, chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those who entrusted to, those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power for ever and ever. Amen. My name's Ern. Good morning. Good to see you all here. And again, like we said, happy Mother's Day, Grandmother's Day, Ladies' Day to all those who are here. hope uh, the day's set off well for you all. Uh, last year, I asked uh, two questions of about 130, 40 people. And the two questions were fairly simple. What do you find hard about the Christian life? And what is it in the Christian life you'd like more of? And as a result of that, this series has birthed the Valleys of Life. Uh, I'm very thankful to the many people who've responded to the questions, both men and women, young and old. And much has been expressed by all of you about the things that you find hard, the things that you find challenging. And I don't know what your expectations are even today as you come to a Mother's Day church service. You know, it's, uh, it's good to gather. It's always good to gather. Uh, a couple of things about me you may or may not know. I love being a leader. I love church. I love history, I love music. Uh, Sarah McLaughlin, uh, I, I love her music. And that song, it's been a favourite, uh, like many songs, for a long time. Uh, it's moving, uh, it's gentle. Um, the words are powerful. Spend all your time waiting for that second chance. There's always some reason to not feel good enough and the and it's hard at the end of the day, and maybe many of you ladies here today can feel that. You've given out, you have expectations from all sorts of people, maybe the men in your life, families, school, society. And you get to the end of the day and it's like 7 o'clock and you think, oh, can I go to bed now? I'm so tired. Uh, and, and I think uh, we have to acknowledge that. The song, though, is incredibly sad as I uh, reflect on it. Uh, uh, the song, it's tender and sweet, but for me, it tells a sad story. She wrote the song about a, a dear friend of hers and his struggle with drug addiction. Uh, the angel in the song is symbolic of drugs. It's not symbolic of running into the arms of an angel or of the Lord. 
It's the person she was singing about. Uh, was a keyboard player with a band called the Smashing Pumpkins, for those who might remember such bands. Uh, he overdosed uh, over 20 years ago. But as she sings a song about him, at the end of his day, he would fly into the arms of an angel. And it was drugs. His life wasn't working out the way it would. And I know even as I say that, you're thinking, this isn't a very upbeat Mother's Day message. My point, though, is a simple one. Where do you go to when life is tough? Where do you retreat? What do you get hooked into? Who do you ignore in that process? Is it the internet? Is it alcohol? Pornography? Where, where do you go? And we all go somewhere. Let's not pretend that we don't. Whether you express it, you all go somewhere. We all go somewhere when things are tough. And especially with this question about being loved. What's it like to be loved and wanting to be loved? And you know, why is life often hard? Uh, question mark. And if only I had the perfect answer. Uh, this morning I received, as others did, the sad news of our brother Steve Semenchuk, who's the senior minister at DAPTO. He passed away this morning. Uh, Steve has been the rector of DAPTO for some 17 years and in the last, feels like 10 days, he became unwell, was diagnosed with cancer and passed away this morning. Uh, and uh, this morning uh, DAPTO Church is hearing their news about their pastor. And in a moment I'm going to pray for this message uh, and indeed for Leanne, who is Steve's wife and their family. And it's just, uh, it's just very sad. I, I feel I'll deliver this message in a place of sadness today. I've got my hanky in my pocket. If I shed a tear, you'll know why. I've known Steve for a long time. He's been a, a dear brother and a friend. And uh, I just don't like, as I get older, there's two great things about being getting older. You see so much joy. Fantastic. On the other side of the coin, you see the reality of life that it doesn't sometimes work out. And I have mixed feelings about God at the moment. You should know that. And one of my biggest selfish mixed feelings is, God, you mean you could take me out like that and leave Rhonda? Because the answer is yes. None of us know what tomorrow. So I'm really annoyed with God. You should know that. I know where I need to go. I know who I need to trust. And I know who I need to lean into. But humanly speaking, Ah, just doesn't seem right. Let me pray. Father, as we all have a whole range of things as we think through things as we come to this day, past experiences, life, our mothers, what could have been, what should have been, what might be, ourselves, we ask that you really do comfort us all. We Give you thanks that uh, you brought Steve into this world all those years ago, that he's led DAPTO Church uh, faithfully and, and really so well over many years. But right now you've seen fit to call him home, even though uh, there's questions to be asked. Pray especially for Leanne, their kids, his family, as they somehow try to process this sudden passing and try to put things in perspective. And while they know you and they know your love for them, these are hard days. We pray for Dapto Church as they hear the news about their pastor. May you comfort many of them who are there as they will grieve, as they now have to turn their hearts and minds to other things. May the comfort we know you provide be covering all of them and especially in this moment of a deep dark valley. In Jesus' name. Amen. 
So again, where do you retreat when things aren't working out? I know for me, it's um, obviously music, the beach. I can find myself sometimes just standing at the waves and just looking out blankly and thinking things. So I can go for a run. Um, there's a reality to the valleys we're in and you maybe can see that balloon and sometimes the balloon of hope that's floating there might seem a long, long way away. And you just think, oh, I wish that could be a lot closer. The balloon will land one day for all of us and that hope we have will all be there for all of us as well. So again, where do you retreat or why is life so hard? Uh, One writer, you probably can't read that and I can hand it to you, but I'll read it out. Jason Helveston said, This life is hard no matter who you are. We all experience difficulty to be sure. The degree of life's severity differs from person to person. As I write this, many around the world are experiencing heartbreaking realities, including the thousands of refugees seeking asylum. In every season of our lives, in every place of our existence, there is tension and conflict. From the wrenching reality of losing loved ones to the silly inconvenience like warm drinks getting cold and cold drinks getting warm. Isn't that frustrating? Can I have my coffee hotter? It's not hot enough. Life is so inconvenient. Life is hard. What's more, when the difficulties of life show up, we crave explanation. We crave explanation, absolutely. Many people are craving explanation about a whole range of things on this day. We cannot help but search for meaning in the face of tragedy and pain. This inclination is part of what makes us us. When we can't find answers, we often come up with our own. And if you're like me, your answer is often not a good one. Consequently, our bad answers causes us to respond to pain in ways that can cause more pain to ourselves and others. And isn't that true? We can go to places and do things that we think are helping us, but indeed it just triggers more pain. And then that triggers more pain in others, in loved ones. As we Look at 1 Peter 5 this morning, woven through this letter of 1 Peter is the repeated call for a condition of heart and a way of life that can make sense of this life with a final goal and an absolute certainty of where we're going and a certainty of hope, a certainty of heaven, a reward in heaven. Peter calls us again and again to think, to feel, to act in light of that. It's the only It's hope of heaven that can only provide explanation for things of this life. There's a reward that satisfies beyond this life. Uh, The reward is not a hope that says, I'll get more in this life, or your life will be pain-free. I'm looking around thinking, I'm not quite sure your life at the moment is pain-free. If it is, go well with that. Your separation that you feel with loved ones or circumstances, I'm not saying it will be changed or eased. Your past pain, in no way am I standing here saying your past pain you've experienced, tomorrow you'll get up and it's all gone. Some of it may happen, but there's no guarantee it will. The ultimate reward that makes sense of all that we say and all that we hold on to begins and ends with God. It's the eternal glory perspective that we have. This is the main thing we spoke about only at Easter. Renewal, restoration, connection. And it is, as they say, counterintuitive. And you've got to understand in this world we live in, the way the Bible speaks and engages is very different to the way the world engages and speaks. And they don't match. Our categories, our thought process are very different to the world we live in. 
1 Peter 3.18 says Christ died that he might bring us to God. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, and it's this hope we have. The psalmist in Psalm 16, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Isn't that a statement? Apart from you. Like, are we there yet? It's rhetorical. You can ask your husband or wife or family member, are we there yet? Um, apart from my family who I love, my wife, my job, my church, whatever, car, music. Apart from you, Lord, there is no good thing. Isn't that a bold statement? It's a incredibly bold statement. He goes on in verse 11, You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. And that is our final joy. That is our final hope. This is the balloon reminding us it's coming. It's coming. I had a chance to say my farewells to Stephen yesterday and... Uh, and the family were around the bed and I had a chance to say, brother, <laughs> I've known him for a long time and blokes like Steve and myself stand and talk to others about hope and look to Christ and you'll be tested and trust him. We say it often, the words just flow. And I had to say to him yesterday, mate, this hope we've spoken about, it's got to be your hope. You know the Lord's got a place for you. You know he's waiting for you. As hard as it is to say it and as hard as it to feel that as another one passes, the Christian life can be hard. And I think it's because we see things differently. And my guess is many of you have experienced that and can feel that as well. Uh, why is life hard? Because the world is broken. <laughs> the world is broken. Life is hard because of, guess what? Because of you. Because of me. Do I, do you, do I make it easier in my married life? I doubt it. <laughs> life is hard because of us. We make it hard. Maybe you've made it hard for someone you love today, this morning. Life is hard because of others. Life is hard because of circumstances. I am someone for a long time now who's read the printed media, especially on the weekend, and these days it just frustrates me, but I still try and do it. And yesterday's Australian, uh, John Anderson, there's an article from John Anderson, the former Deputy Prime Minister. He writes, uh, uh, a little before I was 14 and from home from the King's School in Sydney, I was practicing cricket with Dad on the front lawn of my house. Uh, quite a distance away was a younger, my younger sister Jane. She was playing with a kitten. Dad was bowling and young. I hit this ball perfectly in the sweet spot of the bat. And Dad, I felt Dad was full of pride. He was a fine athlete and uh, you know, John felt pride in his shot. But suddenly his sister looked up, saw the ball spreading, spitting towards her and turned her head. The ball hit the base of her skull and she died. He goes on to say, my childhood ended that day. He says, um, oh, the school will consider it, but the concept of a God who loves me and love just made me angry. Just made him angry. 14, life. Circumstances. You could tell me about your own circumstances that uh, can do things and can change things and bring different perspective and... This is all true. And it's funny, you read from 1 Peter 4.13, rejoice as we share in Christ's sufferings. I don't, I've often said I don't think I'm running to share in more sufferings and loss. It's, it's enough. But that's life. It is life. You know, I'm not going to quote Malcolm Fraser, for those who may be 100 years old who might remember that quote, um, to have hope. And so Peter wants to, you know, I'm going to jump in really from verse 5 on in this part of, of chapter 5 to help answer some of the questions you've raised. 
this call to be humble or why does being humble cause anxiety because that's what he's dealing with that's what i look at this morning you know life does get harder we live in a world that's self-promotion me is pretty high in the agenda Uh, my desires my needs my wants my vote and more and more this is becoming more and more woven in the christian culture and i think we see you can reflect yourself i think we see more and more the ugliness of our culture the ugliness of a culture removing itself from god it just is there everywhere not just politics vote wisely vote often sport comments quotes social media you just you could go anywhere uh, to be mindful of that peter says in 1 peter 5 5 uh, in the same way you are younger he's already had a word to the elders of the church be shepherds over god's flock be wise with them you who are younger submit yourselves to the, your elders all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because god opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble obviously peter's already been to his first grandparent conference he's over 50 and he's saying all right you are younger show respect all those over 50 agree amen show respect to your elders you know and in terms of pride the proud person sets themselves against god and so if you do that then god will set himself against you if you're full of pride in contrast god will lift up those who are humble so with this being said Peter's challenging people to think about that he goes on to say verse 6 humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time Peter is dealing again with his problem of anxiety why because he's dealing with the problem of humility and humility is a problem as I said chapter 5 starts with this word to elders of churches shepherd the flock be patient be eager for them without complaint take note and don't complain about church members without being motivated by money and now this focuses on others in church others us to be humble and you, i'm thinking why being, why does being humble cause anxiety and it can do and it clearly does and here's the connection we see because to be humble to be in a posture or position that is different to the world around us can cause things to be triggered inside of you. Ladies, maybe on this Mother's Day, maybe you can feel that more and more. Maybe, there's, as I said earlier, there's a whole range of expectations on you. To fulfil all sorts of things, can you truly have it all? Husband, wife, house, job, kids, grandkids, money, holidays. You have to answer for yourselves. Um, a fulfilling relationship, perfect perfect kids doing the right thing every day perfect facebook posts when was the last time you put up the ugliness of our lives my guess is we don't we want the world to see a certain view of ourselves and the point is here we've got to humble ourselves cast our anxieties go somewhere with them and casting anxieties is not separate to humbling ourselves it is a package deal which i hope you'll see um, and in order to cast anxieties you have to humble yourself so there's something about humbling yourselves under god under god's mighty hand and don't forget these are the mighty hands of god the one whose servants have outstretched hands the one who uh, 
parts waters, the one who cares, the one who lifts up. This is the one we're talking about. And so the necessity is to cast our anxieties, our anxiousness. So in another way, there is something about casting our anxieties, our burdens on God that makes humbling ourselves that much easier. So I know some of you right now are singing in your head, but Ian, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. Well, the best with that, if you have women in your life, just ask them, are you perfect in every way? And listen to their answer. Write it down, put it on your fridge. Let it pop up each day. Uh, what does it mean? You know, it needs... What does it mean to be humble? Well, if you make a mistake, you admit the mistake and you say, sorry will do, one word. Say it and mean it. Don't justify. Don't say, oh, look, honey, if you've been offended by what, I, by what I'm, I've said, I'm sorry. You know that great line? No, just forget that line. I'm sorry. It means that when you are weak, sick or not able to complete a task, you are not too proud to say, I need help. I can't do this. It means you don't care who gets the credit to humble yourself. It means washing, mowing lawns, doing any ordinary task that we do on a daily basis doesn't mean at the end of the day you get a gold medal for doing it. Oh, you're so awesome. You put the recycling in the bin. I'm just I'm so touched. It means, men, you don't say to your ladies today, look, honey, it's okay, you can do the lawns next week. You have the day off. Kids, don't worry about cleaning up your room today. Mum's home tomorrow, she can do it. It means you don't say that. Can You, you don't say that. It means you actually lower yourself. One writer said, in all its forms, humility is the risk of losing face. Humility is the risk of not being noticed, of not being appreciated, of not being appraised, of not being rewarded. It's the risk of being looked down on. Maybe, ladies, you can relate better to that than men. Maybe your life is like that. Being other centred person and not expecting or wanting a reward, even though sometimes you might have said to those in your household, it'd be nice if you said thanks from time to time. It'd be nice if from time to time, maybe once a year, that you actually said, I really appreciate who you are and what you do. And being looked down on is painful. I think so this is why Peter's addressing a, a, a church, a congregation who's in pain. Being unnoticed and unappreciated is painful. Uh, losing face is painful. Uh, being made little of and being, is painful. Humility, therefore, when you walk in that way, causes anxiety. It causes us to be anxious. So how do we solve this problem of anxiety? Because command to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand and be clothed with humility. You said it in chapter 3. Husbands and wives, you know, guys, come on, work it out, be gentle. Don't be so anxious with each other. You know, so if we're going to humble ourselves, we've got to work through this, this anxiety problem, this showing love to others, receiving love, expressing love, this patience challenge, this sense of, oh, it just, it's just tough. And so this is, uh, you know... Peter addresses that and he says in verse 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You know, it's taking stuff off. It's being bold enough to say in the walk of the Christian life, 
You know, and we do communion once a month and often there's rails here and we've been more and more asking people to pray. But it's like as you come down for communion to the communion rails, before you get here for communion, you're humbling yourself while you're standing here to say, Father, I can't do this, I need help. I need assistance, I need to confess that. I need to walk more graciously, I need others' assistance, I need to say sorry. And you do that there and then you come forward and you kneel and you say, Father, thank you, I'm placing all my anxiety on you. It's part of the process, you don't... And we all have anxiousness and anxieties. They come, they flow in, they flow out. Um, we say, thank you, Father, we can't do this. Uh, that, if you want a secret, if there's such a thing, that's the secret, you cast. And we have to be confident that God does listen, that he does care, that he wants us to be in that space. See, the rebellious and the proud people have no interest in this. How do we do? He cares for us. It's like in Luke 19, Jesus says, uh, verse 35, go into town and get a donkey, put all your gear on the donkey. You take your stuff off and put it on the donkey. That's the sense of being, that's being spoken about here. God is willing to carry our burdens. You know, can you really still remember Matthew eleven twenty eight? We did it last year. Come to me, all who what? Who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. God wants to be a burden bearer. Easter is about a burden bearer hanging on a cross, dying for us. You know, so how, what's the key? And it's a simple key. It's to trust. We have to be trusting. Or how do we live in hope that he can, that he will, that he cares? We have to be trusting. You know, it's Mother's Day. I don't know what it does to you. I know what it does to some. Anxieties, burdens, expectations. All of that is in a day like today. Joy, laughter, care. I hope it can at least seep into tomorrow. It'd be good if it can go longer, like every day. Why? Because Peter, he says, be alert. And sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. You see, ladies and men, be, be sober-minded. Be watchful. We may not express ourselves as men to you as, as we should in the most helpful way. And so men be more mindful of that and be more gracious. The devil wants to see division, heartache and pain. So uh, like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, he's looking for a meal. And guess who the meal is? Guess who the meal is? There's a message that's come through. Remind them, it's you. It's me. It's my marriage, your marriage. It's the church. It's the nation. It's division. It, it, the devil's hungry. And, and the good news is he's like a roaring lion. So you can even hear him coming. So don't somehow in your desire to try and go somewhere to deal with your anxiety or anxiousness, whether it be pornography and you think, I'll just look at one image, I'm strong, I'm tough, I won't go to the second image. And when you get to the tenth image, you think, it's okay, I'm not like others, I can deal with this. Ha! Same as alcohol, same as drugs, same as whatever it might be. Obsession with whatever it is. You say to yourself, well, I'm not like them, I can deal with it. No, you can't. 
And it's like a warning when you've gone in, your wife says, you seem to be spending a lot of time on that iPad, Ian, or whatever. Oh, it's only four hours, honey. It's okay. It's flat battery now. I need to get off it because I've got to recharge it. Why didn't I have it charged while I was doing this? Are we all in that space? The devil wants to bring us down. The devil is the poster boy for pain. And yet, Peter tells the people we're born into a living hope. Something beyond this life. And I think for ladies, I I think the devil knows uh, your own weak spots from what I can understand. Sometimes you live your life where you think, I'm just either not good enough, haven't done enough, need to do more. And I don't know that we soften that or encourage in the ways we should. Maybe you just load guilt upon yourself for all sorts of reasons that I wish you wouldn't. You are good enough. You're more than good enough. The devil is a sly snake who sneaks up on you and he wants to bring you down. We all have these moments of being anxious. The answer is trust. I I know how pathetic I am. Uh, Rhonda and I uh, are expecting uh, through our daughter Emma, our seventh grandchild, and we like watching a particular drama called Call the Midwife. I don't know what the words for me are. We like watching. I, I find it frustrating. I get anxious. Oh, gee, what's happening now? I've got to walk out of the room. I can't watch it. Is the baby okay? Is the mum okay? And it's only because of the context I'm in. It's like, oh, gee, turn it off. <laughs> don't tell me what happens. <laughs> Why? I want all good, happy endings. <laughs> all the time. Every day in everyone's life. It doesn't happen. I have to cast my... Hey, what are you worried about? I'm not... Uh, thank God I'm not God. I tell you what. <laughs> but it's, you just get caught up in things. Big and small. Big and small. And too often we trust God in what is called the abstract. You must trust God in the immediate, in the direct, in the things that cause anxiety, in the things that cause pain. Uh, end of last year, as I was talking to a young man, I noticed a tattoo on his arm. And it was an umbrella with uh, rain on the inside. I'd never seen it before. I know I've lived a sheltered workshop, a sheltered life. And I said, why, why have, have you got the rain on the inside of the umbrella? He said, Ian, that's how I feel all the time. I'm just permanently sad. I'd never heard of such a thing, seen such a thing. The rain's not falling on the outside. He's walking a life. And maybe some of you, you know, in that image there, feel like the rain is always falling on you all the time. And it wouldn't matter how many times you put the umbrella up to protect you from the rain or life's hardness, it's always coming on the inside. Edmund Clowner said, trials should not surprise us or cause us to doubt God's faithfulness. I know that's true intellectually, biblically. At the moment, emotionally, it's like, I don't know God. Or doubt us God's faithfulness. I don't know God. But rather we should actually be glad for them. God sends trials to strengthen our trust in him so that our faith will not fail. Our trials keep us trusting. That is absolutely true. Because where do you go when things don't work out? And things don't work out. They burn away our self-confidence and drive us to our saviour. If they don't drive us to our saviour, our Lord Jesus Christ, then they're driving you to something or someone or somewhere. And you know what you're being driven to and you know where you're landed at. And we need to realise that Peter is saying, no, 
You've got to work through these things. And it's amazing the thousand different ways God works, the connections. Casting our anxiety means trusting him. It's like Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious. We've got to keep saying to ourselves. And a, little, a whole range of little things can happen to help us be in that space, to not be anxious. You know, you see conversations or things, I can only see as far as the building. God sees way beyond that. I can't see how God can make sense out of Steve, our brother in Adapto passing. There's no sense. It doesn't make sense. He's only just turned 60, 61 this year. Uh, he and I have spoken about the future as brothers and friends and he doesn't have it. Now the truth is he's got a much better future. The truth is he's not in pain. The truth is he's now with our Lord. The truth is our Lord is saying, well done, good and faithful servant. You have led the church. You have been faithful. You've stayed married. You've cared. You've served. No, you can't do any more than that. So the Lord's there wrapping his arms around Stephen, which is I'm thankful for. But little things, you know, you decide that you're going to get a takeaway meal and you get a takeaway meal and you bring it home no matter who you are and all of a sudden you can sit down at the table or wherever it might be, even at the kitchen, and then all of a sudden, because you've got a takeaway meal, you start to talk. And all of a sudden that conversation opens up other thoughts. And then you, you move to another place and you think about that issue you hadn't spoken about and you're doing it graciously. You know, little things can just take another conversation, another place, another place, another place. It just always happens like that. And trusting has got to be expressed in prayer. That's what trusting means, expressing it in prayer. And the end of 1 Peter, you know, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast to him be the power forever and ever. And it's got to be always to him. We've got to, as God's people, increase our dependence on God in prayer. Ladies, God does not want you to carry whatever burden you're carrying today. He wants you to hand it over. And sometimes you may, like today, want to fly away and change your circumstance or turn to something that might ease the pain. Turn to God. Fly to him. Run to him. He's the one who cares for you. He's the one who can deal with the issues you're you're facing. He cares for you. He loves you. And that is so so true. At the end of uh, the article from John Anderson, as he reflected on life, he says this, his younger son Andrew was born when Anderson was a busy cabinet minister. He was born profoundly disabled. He lived only a few short months and was constantly in and out of hospital. His wife wrote an essay recalling that the couple never considered an abortion but in fact gave thanks for Andrew's life. In his eulogy, uh, his dad Uh, said, uh, Andrew's life saw us wondering what we'd done to deserve so much difficulty. His passing saw us wondering what we did deserve such a rich blessing. God taught us something we'd heard about but not really understood, that his grace is sufficient for us, for his power is made perfect in our weakness. There is strength in weakness, as if the world gets that. I struggle sometimes with this strength in weakness. And yet here is this God who cares, here is this God who says, with all that we go to, you can trust me. Here is a God who extends grace. Here is a God who cares. Here is the God of the hills and the valleys, no matter what they may be. So here's a question for you. 
when you find yourself in a valley and things are at their worst, who, whom or what do you turn to? Talk about that today with your family. Where do you go to when things aren't working out? Greg and Dave are going to minister to us right now. And maybe my final word to you is this, ladies. Uh, when you're at your best, I'll remind you, your father's daughter. When you're at your best, you're your father's daughter. Your heavenly father cares for you no matter what the world is saying, no matter how the world processes. Today, go home with an unshakable faith that he cares. He cares. Today, go home great confidence that he carries us. He carries us right to that last moment. Go home with the great clarity that indeed you are our father's children. We all are sons and daughters of the one most high. There is no better place to be in, no better hands to be in than the one who brought us into this world, the one who carries us, and the one who holds out that hope to say, trust in me, for there is no other way.